you are valued and you are needed. You will be emperor. I think you're about to go where everyone has gone before. The year is 2023. The name of the podcast, Babylon 5, for the first time. Welcome to Babylon 5 for the first time. My name is Jeff Aiken, and I am watching Babylon 5 for the first time. And I'm Brent Allen. And I'm also watching Babylon 5 for the first time. Jeff and I, we are two veteran, active Star Trek podcasters watching Babylon 5 for the first time. And in this show... We are searching for what we call Star Trek-like messages, but we're also watching for how they do it in their very own Babylon 5 way. And while this is not a podcast about Star Trek, we are likely to pull in some of those references because that's kind of what we do. But to help us with that, we've decided that we play The Rule of Three. And that means that we each get only... And up to three references apiece to Star Trek per episode. That's it. Three. Uno, dos, tres. No substitutions, exchanges, a refund. <laughs> hey, Brent. Hey, Jeff. We have a five-star review. Oh, yes. This one's from Ryan PFW on Apple Podcasts. What's up, Ryan? Ryan PFW says, highly recommend. A good buddy of mine had never seen Babylon 5 and agreed to watch it unspoiled, and I'd watch one of his shows. He had stops and starts, life got in the way, but he said he'd get back to it. He passed away unexpectedly a year ago. And this podcast gives me the cathartic opportunity to go on that journey. Thank you. Wow. Uh, Ryan was not expecting that. That's heavy. Condolences. And yay for moving forward. And coming on that, and I'm I'm glad that we can be there for you in that capacity and, and help you go forward. Um, wow, Jeff, whoa, dude, you got to warn me before stuff like that. <laughs> yeah, it's heavy, and I think it really opens my eyes to, I mean, we've talked about being podcasters quite a bit and the work that goes into being a podcaster. What we don't talk about enough is the impact that it has. We've had a number of reviews or people in comments or tweets or other things talk about how sometimes like they've gotten to know us and they feel like, you know, hanging out with friends and watching Babylon five. And I don't know about you, Brent. I think I do know about you, but that feels awesome. It does. Yeah, it, it really does. And it, and it is cool because like we see your names down in the comments. Um, we see your emails. We see you folks on the discord. If you're over there as part of our Patreon page, we, we do feel like we, uh, are getting to know several of our listeners, but there's even more listeners out there that um, it's more of a one-sided relationship. And I really want it to not feel like that. Like, you know what I mean? And I'm, I'm happy to be a part of that. That's so cool. Like, I hope we get to meet folks someday. Totally. And it's moments like these that just remind me of that, where what, a, what, a, what a horrible loss to have suffered. And I mean, we're, we're, I mean, just to be a part of the journey and the healing for that is it's, it's an honor. It is an absolute honor. Mm-hmm. Well, Brent, Jeff, we have another five star review. Oh, yes. This one's on Pod Chaser. Oh, Pod Chaser. Shout out to you guys. Timothy H says two guys who love Star Trek and also have Star Trek podcasts are watching Babylon 5 for the first time, giving it a critical eye 
and seeking out those beautiful Star Trek-like messages. These guys are genuinely funny, honest, and introspective. They bring completely different mindset and perspectives to certain themes, story beats, and characters that longtime fans of Babylon 5 will both enjoy and get angered by, but they're honest and direct about their feelings. They don't pander to others' opinions, but welcome all sides and are active and responsive to the fan community. There were many times where I've disagreed with their opinions, but I've also thoroughly enjoyed having my own opinions challenged and my feelings for the series grow through those challenges. For anyone interested in a great companion piece to the series or just another amazing podcast to listen to, I fully recommend you watch their YouTube channel or enjoy it on your podcast app of choice. Babylon 5 for the first time gets five star theories from me. I dig it. That's awesome. Um, what I love about this review, Jeff, is it captures everything that you and I talk about off microphone of what we want this show to be. Right. You know what I mean? Like, yes, you have your opinion. I have my opinion. Are they the same? No. Are we, do we generally tend to be, I think in line? Yeah. But there are times where like you and I are in very different places on an episode and that's okay. And that can be okay when other people are in different places too. As long as you don't make it personal, we're all gravy here. And I love having that conversation. And what I love is these kinds of reports of like, it makes my own fandom grow. Like, you know what I mean? Like, like that's just so cool to me and we get to join it. And Jeff, I'll say it again. We've said it before. The Babylon five fan community is hands down the best fan community I've ever been a part of. Absolutely. We've a couple of times we've had to step in. We've had to, we've blocked some people. We've had to kind of build some boundaries around a few things and, and even around us, you know, in, in our own interactions, you know, we've had to set some boundaries there, but I mean, that's just people right in other fandoms. That's a, it's a very loud uh, minority of people here. It's a, it's not loud. It's just, it's just a minority of people who, who got in and yeah, vast majority. I mean, this is such a great community. I'm very, I'm honored to call myself a part of yes, it. Yes, absolutely. Well, Jeff, speaking of being a part of a community and being honored uh, to be in, in such great company, you know, one of the things we get to do that one of the things that our company tells us they love is when we make predictions yeah. And whether they're right or wrong, they love snickering behind our backs, sometimes right in front of our faces, buzzing themselves because of spoilers in the comments. We play a little game when we get to the end of each episode. If you guys have been listening for, I don't know, more than one episode, you know this by now, but if you're brand new, let's explain how it works. We get to the end of the episode and Jeff tells me what the name of the next episode is. I've never even looked at it. I didn't look ahead. I haven't seen a thumbnail. Haven't read some weird description on Netflix or IMDb. It's the first I am personally hearing about it. And we make a guess of what the next episode is going to be based on that alone. Well, Jeff, this is the spot where we look back at last week and see what you guessed this week was going to be about and see how close were you. Now, last week was the the season three uh, uh, wrap up, but we did make a guess for this particular episode. Mm -hmm. So what did you say Hour of the Wolf was going to be and how close were you? So I thought this was really going to be inspired by the Ingmar Bergman film of the late 70s of the same name and uh, not so much. But that was really going to come down to I thought that we were going to have groups going out looking for Sheridan, which we we got. We got that. Not to the level I thought we were going to get it at, but we got it. And then I thought we were going to see some psychological torment Garibaldi was going to be going through. Didn't hit that one 
at all. What about you, Brent? What did you guess? Well, I thought that this was going to be, and maybe this is this is less plot driven and more just overall that this was not going to be like a wham episode. Um, this was going to be a week later. Sheridan's gone, and we're now trying to figure out what the heck do we do back on the station, which is a hundred percent what this episode was. Go figure. Uh, we've learned how the show works at this point. It, it, you know, I did, however, make two very specific predictions that I got both of them incorrect. The first one was I said Ivanova was going to get a promotion as the new, you know, commander of the station. That did not happen. She did have a moment where she's like, I guess I got to pick up and move on because that's what Captain Sheridan would have wanted, but there was no promotion involved. So I was wrong on that. The other one was I said we wouldn't see Sheridan until like the final shot. And I was also wrong on that. Although it was like that final scene. You know, we we had a little bit before then, but it was really that final scene that kind of kind of dipped it. So I I'll give myself like a 10% credit on that one because yeah. I was really specific and I was very wrong. But in part, I was right. Uh Jeff, those are what we predicted. Yeah. For the folks out there who haven't seen this episode in a while, or maybe they've never seen this episode and they're just hanging out with us anyway, why don't you tell the folks what this show actually was about? Well, Brent, the American dream is alive and well on Centauri Prime. You work hard, you put in the hours, and you get rewarded. Just like advisor Londo Malari. Within moments of arriving, he's carted right in front of Emperor Cartagia. He generally ensures that Londo knows his place and then sends him away. Wanting to ease into his new accommodations, he's almost as shocked as I was to see Mr. Morden sitting in the dark. Morden has seen uh, pretty better days in his life. He's sporting a Metreon Cascade-style suntan with skin flakes falling off and everything. He lets Londo know that he and Cartagia have a deal and the shadows will be hiding out on the beautiful island of Cellini here on Centauri Prime. This leads to that scene in Londo's vision. You know, the one we've seen a couple times now with the shadows flying overhead? Yeah, that happens for real in this one. Even with the levels that we've seen Londo descend to, he can't stomach this. He gets right into Cartagia's face demanding he renege on the deal. Cartagia, though, leans into his apparent insanity. He talks to severed heads, Brent, that he keeps on a desk. <laughs> wow. Well, he leans in, and he says that the shadows promise to make him a god, and he is willing to sacrifice every last Centauri to get that to happen. Terrified, Londo calls Veer to Centauri Prime and declares that Emperor Cartagia must die. Well, things aren't going very well on Babylon 5 either. Ivanova's in a serious funk, holding on to hope that Sheridan might still be alive. Jakar's beside himself, that no one seems to be worried about where Garibaldi is, and Delenn has been fasting and praying that Sheridan will be found. The League of Non-Aligned Worlds are taking their ships back to their homeworlds because George W. Bush landed on an aircraft carrier and said, Mission accomplished. And the gravy on those potatoes? Well... Before heading off to Londo, Veer shares what happened on Zaha Doom, leading everyone to believe that there's no way Sheridan is still alive. Delenn rips into New Kosh, who basically says that none of this is their problem. 
This Kosh does the energy thing with Lita. The old Kosh did. But Lita doesn't like it. She says there's a darkness to it. So new Kosh tells her to take a hike. And she does. Right to Ivanova. She thinks her and Sheridan's link with old Kosh might help her to detect him if they get close enough to Zaha Doom. Ivanova and Delenn round up the crew. They take a white star out to Zaha Doom. We know Lita's scanning because her eyes go all black, but she gets nothing. Well, not really nothing. See, the shadows pick her up, and it triggers Ivanova's experience from way back when she was in the Great Machine and Sheridan was almost in the Ministry of Peace. The brilliance of Lanier saves the day, and this white star gets back to the station safely. Delenn and Ivanova accept that Sheridan is gone, and they prepare for life without him. But we see something that they don't get to. Deep inside of Zaha Doom, at least we think deep inside of Zaha Doom, we see Sheridan. There's a cave system down at the bottom of that hole, and, and somehow he not only survived that fall, but also found some clothes, a cloak, some blankets. His command stat bar falls to the ground, and he sits at a campfire. So peaceful. Tell some weird-looking dude wearing totally inappropriate camping gear comes out, swings by, and asks to share his fire. He speaks about as cryptically as Kosh as he channels his inner Sebastian, asking Sheridan, Who are you? They stare quizzically into each other's eyes as we fade to credits. Brent, I'm not sure what time it is right now, but what are your feelings on the hour of the wolf? You know, Jeff, this episode is exactly what I thought it was going to be. It's exactly what I needed it to be. It's exactly what I wanted it to be for a season uh, opener, a, a season kickoff uh, for where things are going. Um, I've got mad feelings and mad thoughts about Kosh 2.0, Kosh the Electric Boogaloo. Um, I need to know what what the hell is dark. Something is off. Something is not right about this Kosh. And it's not like it's not sitting well with me at all, you know, because it, you see Kosh one Narantic, right? That was his name. Kosh Narantic. 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 Yeah, that's it. While, while being very vague and cryptic and would just lay his stuff out sometimes, he also very much seemed to be, would it be too much to say the epitome of good? Eh, maybe not the epitome of good, but always, always seemed to have the best of intentions. Yes, even if he lorded it over folks a bit, but even like when he would get into people's minds and and he would do the the thing like with Jakar and he would do it with with um, Sheridan and and various people like like you're like okay he this is a good dude you don't get the feeling that this is a good dude no and that means you got a wolf in the midst of what's going on right I needed Ivanova. I need them to go through that. Like, is he alive? Is he alive? Is there any chance that we can get him back alive and to actually deal with their emotions on that and move on? Obviously he had to be alive because the show is not over and he's the one who will be or whatever. Right. I really want to know who this dude is down in the cave. I need, I need to know how Morden I've got all these great questions. How did Morden survive? You know, uh, looking like a, you know what he looked like to me? Hmm. He looked like Delin coming out of the chrysalis. Like almost like it was the same makeup. They just repurposed it here is what it, what it kind of looked like to me. And then we met the emperor. We've talked a lot about the emperor, but we met this emperor and now Londo's got to go kill him. And Jeff, I'll close my opening thoughts with this. I think we now know how Londo becomes the emperor 
How about you? What'd you think of this episode? I loved this episode. To your point, it was exactly what it needed to be. It's 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 set in motion the tracks that have to run through the course of the season. It picked up all the stuff from season three, kept it moving. We we have a really good idea of where we're moving. I I loved the strife in the League of Non-Aligned Worlds. I I loved the fact that we were told one episode ago that the shadows are all about conflict, right? We're going to grow through iron sharpens iron. We're going to grow this way. Those pesky Vorlons, the, the, the lords of order, they want to see you become unified. And what we're seeing is the exact opposite of that happening. And not only are we seeing the exact opposite of that happen, but we're seeing new Kosh not even care. I am more interested in this Kosh and the Vorlons than I've ever been before. Right. Because like, yeah, I, so many brand new questions, the conflict that, that moment between him and Delenn was like, oh my gosh, this is huge. I love Emperor Cartagia. Mm. He's horrible. He's everything I thought he was, would be. And the actor who like it's, he is, he is pitch perfect in every way. I was so pleased with everything that happened on Centauri prime. Like it was just the, the, best setup and and it's just Londo's whole arc and how it all it's all coming to a head for him in just a perfect perfect way but I got to sum up my opening thoughts with what might be my favorite scene my favorite moment now in all of Babylon 5 and that's Zach walking in on Jakar in Garibaldi's quarters in the dark wearing his Indiana Jones hat right like Right now, Jeff, <laughs> Jeff, be careful because people are in the comments right now. It wasn't Indiana Jones. It was noir and detective noir guys. I get it. It looked like freaking Indiana Jones. Come on. Give yeah. me a break. Either way. Let's it go. was cool. Yeah. It was cool. And awesome. led to one of, yeah, he looked awesome and awkward and cool and sad and all of the things I got to say that this so far, I think is my favorite season opener. This was just really, really well done. Yeah, I'm with you on that. I, like I said, it gave us the tracks to run in for this show, and it picked up everything where it needed to pick up from last season, and here we go. C- can we talk about Kosh for a few minutes? Yeah. Um, I, I want to start with him because he's, he's almost the most burning questions I have. Is this new Kosh the same Kosh that we saw on Minbar when we were there with Sinclair? I don't know that back in um, the world without end. The, the, the encounter suit looks the same. I don't know if it's the same one or not, but that encounter suit looks the same to me. I, I think they probably have two styles, right? It's like you pick one or the other and I don't know, but, but I, I had that same question because Delenn was talking to him. Like they go way back, like they're old buddies. They've got a long standing relationship. Yeah. And he, and he gave her no time whatsoever. Like they've had a long standing relationship. Yeah. So he comes in They're They're looking around saying, Hey, he didn't come to the meetings anymore. Um, which I thought was really weird because the first Kosh never really came to the meetings. Yeah. And if he did, he just stood there. Like he never said anything. Or people would say, Oh, you were standing in the background. Yeah. I didn't notice him. <laughs> yeah. Didn't do anything noteworthy. This dude doesn't even bother to show up though at all. Yes. You know, but I, I still, I say the first Kosh never bothered to show up. Now never rarely bothered to show up. Um, but he comes in and, you remember when he first came in and met Lita after Kosh died? He's like, you're responsible and you failed and you're this. 
but he's still hanging on to her and he's doing that like energy sucky thing, which we saw Kosh one doing this with her. Mm-hmm. And I didn't know what it was then. I just assumed it was this sort of like drug communion. He's doing something to her. Ketracel whiting her. Stand by. We'll be right back. Are you ready to take your Babylon 5 for the first time experience to the next level? With our exclusive Patreon, you'll get access to all kinds of cool stuff that you can only find there. Our recording notes, unedited reaction videos, an exclusive Discord community, and you can even be listed as a producer of the show. Plus, we even offer exclusive meet and greets and hangouts. You won't find this kind of experience anywhere else. Get all these amazing benefits, plus the opportunity to interact with other fans from around the world. It's being part of a huge community where everyone shares the same appreciation for Babylon 5. Subscribe at patreon.com slash Babylon 5 first. That's the number five in the word first to get access to these incredible benefits. That's patreon.com slash Babylon 5 first. We can't wait to see you there. Well, at one point we even thought that he might've been breeding. Like this is oh, some yeah, sort maybe. of a way. Yeah, to... you're right. But in this one, she's like, okay, you're not in me anymore. Like it was like, he was taking himself out. So is that a part of how, like, they go into a body and inhabit a person. And then that person goes and does stuff. Right. And then they, something? and then she comes back and, and gets sucked back out. Is that what's going on? And that was just her putting him back into his encounter suit. It would almost make sense just because she looks like afterwards, she just looks drained, right? Her eyes are all, you know, blackened underneath. And we saw that with old Kosh. Also, Frankly, you know she, what she looked like to me? She looked like a prostitute that was not enjoying her job. Right. Like somebody who was doing this because they absolutely, um, um, did you ever see Elizabeth shoe and leaving Las Vegas? Is that? I've never seen that movie, but have you ever seen, Whoa! no, I haven't. Have you ever seen Les Mis though? Yes. Um, oh, yeah. The, the, the mother of the of the little girl when she has to turn to prostitution and she's not doing well with it. That's what she kind of looked like to me. And I'm not judging anybody's line of work. You know, if you're Lady Marmalade out there and you're enjoying it, hey, more power to you. But, you know, this particular one just did not look good. I had a lot of questions about Kosh, but the questions came through Lita, right? Because like from from go, they come out into the garden and like Lita just has this look on her face the whole time of just like, I don't like this. And then as they're leaving, I'm sorry, Delenn. I'm so sorry. Yeah. And just has this look the whole time. Like, like she's somehow held captive by this Kosh. Even when Kosh, like when she's like, this doesn't feel right. It feels dark. And he's like, you're free now for a time. Yeah. Well, he's not done with her. He didn't, you know, he's not done. He's got more to do with her. He's literally like, here's your union mandated break go and then you come back and don't you mess around while you're on your break so here's my question what what is the dark is this kosh in line with the shadows oof oof is he is that is that where this is going is the vorlons are now in line with shadows so i don't think so my thought on it was just like um just like us right we might have two groups that want the same thing let me go mass effect on this here we go so you're Commander Shepard through Mass Effect, and you can choose to do the Paragon playthrough, which is like good guy, or you can choose to do the Renegade, 
playthrough, which isn't bad guy. It's just hardcore good guy. So is one like easy level and the other is the hard level. Is that effectively what it no, is? No, the par- Paragon is the guy who's like, hey, I'm going to be nice and I'm going to answer your questions. and I'm going to take care of people. The renegade one is like, I got a job to do. You're in my way. I'm going to shoot you in the face. Or if you're reporter Jahira Al Jahani, I'm going to punch you in the face in front of everybody. Like Renegade Shep is pretty fun to play. Okay. But you're still a good guy regardless. Just one, you're a real good guy. The other one, you're like a jerk good guy. One, you're the hero. The other, you're the anti-hero. Yeah, that's exactly it. And I wonder if that's what this is. Old Kosh was the Paragon, and this one's the Renegade. And I mean, just some of the quotes I caught here, just like, Delenn just says, and she says a hardcore, you know, if you leave Sheridan here and you do nothing, you will lose all respect from me. And he just looks at her and he's like, respect is irrelevant. Right. Come out like whatever, you know, whoa, whoa. Where I think Kosh, Kosh 1.0 would have been more of like, you know, uh, respect is a three edged sword, you know, or some, mm-hmm. something had some sort of wisdom. He's just like, no, this is irrelevant out of my way. We're done. This we're moving on. Well, and they said a thing when it came out because Delenn had been calling him and he hadn't been returning her calls, which honestly sounded funny from, you haven't been returning my calls. <laughs> like, yeah. Lita came and said, hey, sorry we didn't return your calls. Uh, Kosh was on really late with the Vorlon homeworld last night. There's something there. Like that was, that was a specific line and a specific thing where there's something going on with the Vorlons. And this is like that little seed that's going to get, that's the track that started to get laid for what we're going to go through this season. We'll talk about Lita and Novanova and their little escapade. I, I think in a moment, um, you want to jump over to Londo and Emperor Cartesia. Yeah. All right. What'd you think of Cartesia? This is the first time we've met him young dude. I did not expect him to be young, a uh, little crazy likes the short crest. Not surprising. I loved him. I loved everything about him. He is horrible and he's gross and he's egotistical and he's pompous and arrogant and played to perfection when he's going through and explaining to Londo that he's going to be a God and he's got that close up, the cameras right on him. There is, there is absolute delusions of grandeur in his eyes. Like I bought it hook, lion and sinker. This guy is the real deal. And I, and it's perfect. I loved Morton's line. Yeah. If there's a psychopath sitting on the throne, you and Rifa put him there. He's your problem. Oh, and he is a psychopath. He's perfect. And I can't wait. I cannot wait for Londo to kill him. <laughs> I, my note was this, uh, at the beginning when he was doing like little short crust and, and everything. And, uh, he, I was like, the emperor is short crusting it dot, dot, dot. He doesn't have long to live. I was like, he's going to get killed. This guy is going to get shanked. Uh, and then later I said, he's going full on Nero. Emperor yeah. Nero, like he, he is so full of himself, delusions of grandeur. He's going to wreak some havoc and people are going to come in here and Ed to Brute this dude. Totally. You know what I mean? Um, and I'm here for it. I'm here for every bit of it. Cause you know what? We just watched what Londo did to Rifa. What do you think he's going to do to the emperor? Exactly. It's going to be hardcore. The minister that came and met Londo, you know, and kind of started setting him up. The guy, the guy that had the joke the last time we saw him. Yes. Yeah. He had yeah. the really bad joke about Narn. Yeah. I love that they brought him back. I'm just, I love that they brought him back. He really annoyed me at first. Like he was just, you know, oh, at the cold, we should do these things. And, but there's the moment where Orlando comes out and he's like, dude is insane. And Minister got real for a minute. He's like, 
his voice came down, right? You got a little bass in there and he's just like, dude, shut your mouth. You don't say it. You just play along. And in that moment, like in this moment, he became one of the most fully fleshed out characters I've seen in television for a long time. Like Mm. I get this guy. He's a bureaucrat, a functionary who does what he has to do to stay alive. And it's probably broken and miserable inside. So, do you know, the moment when I kind of fell in love with him was, and I, oh, I should have gone back and written down these words when Londo's first meeting with him. And he's like, yeah, yeah, I, I've met him three times before, twice when he was an infant and he was drooling. And once when he was a teenager and he was pooping out of his pants or something like that. And he says something to the effect of like, I, I'm sure I will be just as impressed with him now as I was back then. And, and the guy's like, okay, whatever. And then he goes in and, and Londo says something when he meets the emperor. He's like, oh, an emperor, it is always impressive to meet you or something like that. Like he, Londo full on bags on the emperor right in front of his face. The emperor doesn't. He does it so many times too. So many times. The emperor doesn't get it, but the camera shoots over to the, to the dude, the bureaucrat dude. And he just smiles and he's like, I get it. I get that's the moment for me that I was like, I like this guy. He just doesn't have his head stuck up the emperor's rear end. Like he knows what's going on. I like it. He's playing the game. He's just trying to keep his head attached is what he's doing. Can I just tell you what his, what my name for him is in my notes? Yeah. He, because of the, the Narn joke that was really bad. He's a uh, Mr. Jokey Joker. Okay. I've got okay. him. As, yeah. So last season we had chicky this season. I think we're going to have Mr. Jokey Joker. So uh, Minister Jokey Joker. Minister Jokey Joker. I like it. Londo had another line in there when uh like he got he was talking about the hairstyle, right? Uh-huh. And Londo was just like, Yeah, it's not the normal thing. And he's like, Well, it's the right thing. And it's that because the emperor is always right. And Londo's like, Yes, that is our tradition. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and this God, it was he was I Londo to me was we saw so many layers of him in this one. And I think part of it was like he he truly doesn't care like he talked about that back when um adira was killed by by morden you know he came to find but he thought rifa and he's like i don't care anymore i want to watch them all burn and i think we saw that with it he not only was he insulting the emperor but when he saw all the shadow shenanigans going on he went and tried to grab him and be like dude stop it he was he was fine getting stabbed to shut this guy down so cartesia's thing with the shadows is he's talked to them and he says the shadows planted their ships like seeds across the galaxy. And I've given them an Island here where nobody lives on and they're going to plant their seeds in Centauri. Yeah. So does this mean that the shadows are going back underground for a while? So I think what they're doing. So Morden said in there, in that conversation that they centralized on Zaha doom and then they came and hit Zaha doom and that's what cost them. It's why they went. And so a thousand years ago with what they had left, they went and seeded through the galaxy so they could come back. Now that Zaha doom has been hit, they're going to do that sooner. I don't think they're going into hiding. I think they're going in and to, to be spread out, mm. but not necessarily seeded, right? They're going to like operate. They're not seeded, like planting themselves into the ground to hide out for another thousand years. They're just establishing a base. Correct. That's what that's, that's what I wanted them to do. But he starts talking about planting as a seed. And I'm like, the shadow thing's not over yet. And I, and I think, I think that was very much about just like, this is what they did in the past after they were defeated. Uh-huh. 
Now they're going to do it now and they're going to operate that way. So while he's there, he meets Morton, Wando. He meets Morton. Um, I already said he looks like Delenn coming out of the cocoon. Interesting whole conversation. Fine. But there is one spot where, you know, he's he's flaking. He's picking up the stuff off his Mm -hmm. skin and he's driving. There's a spot where he leaves and Londo's sitting there and he's looking down at these ashes of Morton that are on the ground and they're just sort of blowing away. Now, Jeff, I don't know anything that happens beyond this point, like none, Mm -hmm. but I have to believe that that shot, I want to believe that that shot is somehow a little foreshadowing of Morden's fate. That I mean, this this dude looks like he just got dusted by Thanos, like, and he's just blowing away. I've I really want to believe that that's foreshadowing of how Morden's going to meet his end. Stand by, we'll be right back. Hey, are you a big fan of stand-up comedy? Have you been enjoying laughing? I like laughing. If you get a chance, check out the podcast, Stand Up Comedy, your host and MC. That's Stand Up Comedy, your host and MC, where we have interviews and great comedy sets from all kinds of great stand up comics. If you get a chance and you want to laugh, I like laughing. Give it a shot. Stand Up Comedy, your host and MC. That'd be beautiful. Like, really, that'd be beautiful filmmaking. And it's probably going to be at the end of season five before we see it. So, right. It's going to be a long time. I think, yeah, we, we have, cause, cause this is a trans, I think this is a transformation. They said that without saying it, you know, mm-hmm. flesh is transitory. Flesh can be changed. Flesh can be repaired and flesh does what it's told. But I think that I really got the impression that he's going through a transformation because he said a line that he even kind of snickered at. He's like, yeah, right now I'm just a shadow of my former self. <laughs> And so I was like, that was a joke kind of, but I think, I think it was a hint that it's a transformation of him in a way, but I tell you what, Morden, we, we talked, we've talked quite a bit about just the charms of dear Mr. Morden, his hair, his teeth. He loses all of that under makeup. He looked so awkward and so uncomfortable and like everything that made him this val- invaluable weapon to the shadows whoosh, gone. I read, I read somewhere just on a side note. I read somewhere not too long ago. Ah, maybe it was a while ago. I don't remember where. Uh, it's probably a comment somewhere. Um, but they said the reason that JMS cast uh, Ed Wasser mm-hmm. as Morden is because he had a really punchable face. <laughs> I loved that. <laughs> I think I've seen that like two or three times. I've, I've, several people have said that over over time, which I I thought was uh, yeah. I, th- I thought was something. I could see that, but there's one other thing Morden said before we, before we got off Morden that I thought was fascinating. Okay. Londo says, what about Sheridan? And Morden says, which one you've seen one Sheridan. You've seen them all. Ooh. What is that? I, I don't think that that means this is the way I interpreted it. And it's maybe why that line didn't stick out to me the way, the, the way it did to you, but not that there's multiple Sheridans out there running around. It's just, Sheridan's a hero. He's he's a guy who's going to put himself on the line. I've seen multiple of these guys. Which one are you talking about? Okay, like, okay. Uh, he, he was kind of dismissing him as a person. As ah, uh, everyone's like that. Whatever. That's the way I read it. What are you What are you thinking? Well, I think there's a whole thing going on. You know, of just like 
So I have, I have this theory that we'll get to when we talk about Sheridan that might land to this, but I don't think he's on Zaha Doom. And I, I don't even necessarily think he's in our time or space. Whoa, really? And so I think that could lead to like mirrors and multiples. Do you, wait, 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 I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Back up, back up, back up. Do you think he's in another time or space? Do you think he's in like a limbo, like a land between? What are, what are you thinking? That's kind of what I think is a land between. Because I don't know there's other dimensions necessarily. Okay. But there is what they call beyond the rim, right? You know, the, oh. where the other first ones have gone, have gone beyond the rim. It's where the techno mages were trying to go. <gasps> Jeff, is that dude a first one? Maybe. The, what, what's, did we get his name? I don't know that we got his name. We got who are you and then who are you? How did I get here? You were born. Well, why am I here? Ah, oh, that's a more interesting question. That's the question. And I'm like, oh, cool. Uh, is he a first? Is that who he is? Is he? Are we beyond the rim? And that's a first one. But that would make that that would line up with what I'm thinking. I think he is where the other first ones and ancient ones went. Like there's because Kosh, new Kosh says Sheridan opened an unexpected door, and he is now irrelevant. Because he did, because he got, mm. he found the the portal <laughs> in the Sarlacc pit that took him to this other place, and now it's like, oh, well now now we know where the door is. We know how to get there. We can go and we can bring all our ancient one and first one buddies. So why would and, there be a portal to beyond the rim where all the first ones are, right smack in the middle of where the shadows live? So what I think is like Zaha Doom is clearly a focal point of some sort of something. And so that's one of the reasons the shadows millions of years ago made that their home is because they wanted to find a way into that portal. And that, so they've been spending all this time searching, learning, digging, trying to find these, they found where it was. And that's, that's why there's a hole in the middle of their city is they built an entire infrastructure and city around the business essentially needed to go in and dig this hole and try and get to the portal. Oh. It just happens that Sheridan's the one who's like, I'm going in. I'm jumping in. But so, I mean, that makes a little bit of sense though. When you go back to the episode Zaha doom, when Sheridan's standing on the edge and he hears Obi-Wan Kenobi slash Kosh be like, use the force, John jump. Yeah. Cause if Kosh is down there, I mean, pre presumably Kosh, when he died also ascended maybe he went on with the rest hopefully he didn't just annihilate i maybe i mean I, I don't know he left a bit of him in sheridan so whatever oh jeff yeah that was my whole like it hit me on my second view where i was just like because like okay i'll just dive in he's walking around with a blanket and a cloak like what what, what is that and i want to know where he got the blanket and cloak like was exactly. he just walking around and like oh look there's a blanket right here there's a cloak got it how did he start the fire it was totally a role-playing game where he just saw a skeleton and he looted the skeleton <laughs> and he got two pieces of copper and he got <laughs> really weak cloth armor. He had some flints. Yeah. It's, but as he's walking through, there are torches. Like there's fire and torches. Like this is, this is a clearly occupied place that like it's rocky, but it's also smooth and pretty clean for the most part. Yeah. Like he's literally like, in the old part of a castle somewhere and working and he's going to come there. Oh, there's a whole city here. Dude. Creepy dude is going to be like, why? Let me share your fire. Let's be cool. Also, you want to go inside? Actually, it was a really great place. We have television, cable, everything. You know what he reminds me of? Like everything about this dude shouts. Good guy to me. Can I share your fire? Can I, 
Ah, that's the right question. Have you ever played Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild? No, you have not. That's the one of the game I have not played. Not yet. The very beginning of the game during the tutorial level, you meet an old man who is the guy who's like taking you around kind of, okay, here's how you do that. Here's how you use this button. I want you to go do this and go over there to do that and meet me here and come over here. And I'm going to give you this little jacket to help you get through the cold weather. And, uh, and, oh yeah, by the way, this is who I really am. And I'm not going to spoil that for you. And, oh, here's all this. And then he sends you off on your mission to, and then you go play the game, like tutorial level done. You're good. Go. Mm -hmm. That's who this guy feels like to me. That's dude. Yeah. Yeah, I think he he feels like, uh, I'm going to get you right. And I'm going to send you off on your, on, I'm going to send, he'll send him back to Babylon five eventually. So Sheridan might be with this guy for four or five episodes, six episodes before getting back to Babylon five. And frankly, this is so in, um, in Lord of the, in fellowship of the ring, was it, was it fellowship that he went, that, that, that Gandalf went, I know people get really mad. Fellowship was where we he went down the Khazad dooms. Ah, doom. yeah, uh-huh. yeah. You know what? Okay. Look, when we did in the shadow of Zaha doom, which was the very first time we ever heard that phrase or, sure, and, and sure. the first time we ever heard that name ever. Yeah. People in our comments lost their minds over. How could you not pick up that? It wasn't the, the bridge of Kaza doom. And I'm like, I think we did. It just might not have been on mic or whatever. And I'm just like, well, and frankly, I mean, I'm not, I'm not going to bash Tolkien stuff. It's great. People love it. I read it when I was in the ninth grade. I was working at the movie theater when the films came out, so I, I didn't really watch them. And uh, I'm sure it's great. I'm sure it's great. But that was literally thirty some odd years ago. For I me. have a I have a great Lord of the Rings reference in this in, in our discussion coming up here soon. So oh cool yeah. But I feel like this dude, like what we're what we're seeing with Sheridan right now is what we didn't get to see with Gandalf when he went down and then, you know, so he fell, he's dead and stuff happened. And then he came back as Gandalf the white. We're going to get to see what Sheridan Gandalf goes through and then comes, comes back as the new Sheridan, which might be where Morden was going with, well, which Sheridan, right? The, the one before the Babylon five, the one before the hole, the one after the hole, like "Eh, I've seen them all, whatever, whatever. Interesting. Uh, Interesting. I, it is certainly, again, it's the track to run in for the season. What's going on with Sheridan and, and this dude. Um, I mean, this is about the time for the mentor to come along, right? Yep. In the, in the whole deal, like Sheridan's got to learn some stuff before he can become the one. The, the stuff that Kosh said he regretted not showing him earlier, right? When, and when he was being killed and he showed up his dad and he's like, I should have showed you this sooner. I should have, well, now, now we've got dude down there. Who's going to be like, you know, we've got, uh, I've got this place here. We're going to teach you some stuff. I got the guy from the Mutai over here and we're going to teach you how to fight with honor. There you go. Cause the Mutai has actually been the answer the, the whole time. time. It's been the thing. The whole time. Yeah. Yep. That and the great egg. Don't forget the great egg. That's, that's where he is. Oh, he's in the great egg. Yeah. That's- <laughs> it's the yoke. He's in the yoke. I'm serious. I will lose. I will lose my mind if in this next episode they're like, "Oh, come here to the Great Egg." I need us to circle back to Londo and yes, the sorry. Emperor. Like we got <laughs> way sidetracked. This was the conversation I was going to wait till the end, but we just we were in. A- I know. Okay. Bottom line, uh, Londo calls Veer and says, "Veer, I need you to come. You're literally the only guy I trust." By the way, Stephen first between seasons three and season four has lost some weight. Yeah. 
I mean, you you said it to me earlier, like he looked like he just looked awful. And I'm like, no, 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 the man lost weight. And then and I thought at first it was, oh, he just woke up. But then when he showed up and he was talking to Lana, I'm like, no, 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 no. This dude has lost some weight and good on. Yeah, him. I think quick, probably quickly, you know, uh-huh. so it's like a little bit of that. Like he hasn't he hasn't filled into his new new body yet. It was a little distracting um, with him. Aside from that, good on him. Uh, but Veer, yeah, Veer's definitely lost weight. But Londo, Londo says it as clear as day. We're going to kill the emperor. Yeah, we're going to kill bat poop crazy talking to some heads, reminding me of of uh, a Lord Helmet from Spaceballs. No, you did not just see me playing with my dolls. That whole sequence, though, so he got Veer to come out and and he told him he's like he's like you know I I, I don't understand this Veer like you don't get to this level without some bad stuff going on you, you walk through the most powerful halls in the universe completely oblivious to everything that's going on like how do you do that but then he explains you get to this level of power and there are two types of people around you the people that want to use you and the people that you want to use because in that moment you're like so he literally just told veer you're here because i want to use you uh-huh that's what you're thinking in that moment and we've watched him for three seasons use Veer. But we've also watched him become loyal to Veer. We've watched him care for Veer. And we've watched him refuse to leave if they were going to replace Veer. There's a there's an incredible arc here. Yeah. And then he says, what do you so so say what you're getting ready to say? I'm sorry, I cut you off, but I wanted to seed that with then he says that you're the closest thing to a friend I could ever have. Yeah. But there's more. Cause then he like says, you know, I need you to be, I need someone who's loyal. I need a friend. I need a patriot. And Veer looks at him with this look on his face. And he's like, Londo, if you thought I would come all this way and say anything otherwise, like, do you even know me, you know, or whatever, something like that. And I just thought in that moment, I'm like, they love each other. Like Veer loves Londo as a father as he would love a father, a mentor, and someone he's willing to do anything for. Londo has come to love Veer as a son. And they had this this moment in that back and forth where like that just gut punched me, where it was just like, they've, they're beyond friends. It's it's the, the what what do they call it? The, um, the, the Storge, Storge love. Uh, like there's the Eros, which is like the erotic love. There's the Phileo, which is the brotherly love. Um, there's the agape, which is the love for everyone, but then there's like the storge, which is like the love between parent and child. That's just deep. And, and like, and yeah, Stephen first. And, and like in that moment, I was, I think that was one of his finest moments was when he's like, if you thought I would say anything, I was like, oh, wow, felt that it was so well done. And what we now see, and we see more, uh, prophecies and things that we have heard about clips we have seen coming true. And one of the things we saw was the the shadow ships flying overhead and Londo just looking up going, eh? Eh? almost as if they had shot that scene years ago, which is why I think they had that little scene where they're like, oh, where's your coat? Oh, we took that away to get clean. Do you have to wear your old purple one? Because that's what you were wearing when we shot that scene way back. <laughs> good call. I didn't, even, I didn't even catch that. That's a good call. <laughs> I thought that was slick. Right. But I, but I think also, I think uh, one of my big takeaways for Londo in here is that he's now really truly realizing the consequences of his choices and actions and how caught he is. And I think it I was disagree. that moment when he was, 
Really? Really? Londo has long since realized the consequences of his actions. Oh, I agree. Londo has uh, frankly spent the majority of season three trying to work his way through that, you know, and, and not just in a full stop, let's undo all of this, but he's, he's trying to figure out what to do. And when all through season two, Jeff, we talked about the redemption of Londo Malari. Uh, this is Londo from his best vantage point without turning into the rebel of Jakar, like he is basically subverting everything. He like, he's flying the middle finger to Morden. He's flying the middle finger to, he's got a plan to assassinate the, the emperor because he wants to get his people back. He's got Veer to come in. I loved his line. He's like, why did you need me? Because a conspiracy requ- requires more than one person. Yeah. Uh, Londo Londo is in his own redemption path, which we saw culminated in War Without End in the future, where he's like, to redeem myself, I'm going to let you go. Please take care of my people. Make sure they're okay. And then he kills himself or has Londo kill him, or Jakar kill him. Yeah. But I think for this, it's, it's one of those things where you, you you've created a problem and you're committed to making that problem right. And that was season three. But now he's actually seen the results of what he did. Like it's so much more real. Like he's face to face with this guy he put on the throne. He's got Morden in room. Morden, who calls him a friend in that moment. Like it's all so like it was academic and now it's very real for him. And I think, I think this is like the launch point for the very, the Londo we've been wanting to see for a long time. Agreed. My last note on Londo and everything. Did you catch what Cartagia said when he was going through his whole, I'm going to be a God and I don't care if all the Centauri have to die. He had a very specific line that should carry a ton of weight. Which one are you talking about? Some are always sacrificed for the greater good, which is the same thing that Jakar said after Kosh told him to say, Jakosh told him to say that. And we've heard that, I think, even from from Delenn. As well, but in this in this case, Cartagio went a step further, and he defined the greater good for us. Me, well, I, you know, I'm just going to go back to my buddy Matt from Beam Me Up a Star Trek podcast. Anytime somebody says the phrase "for the greater good," they're pretty much the bad guy. Proof positive, right here. So Ivanova is trying to take care of the station. Mm-hmm. She's she's the League of Non-Aligned Worlds, and they're not aligning again. Um, she's trying to figure out whether or not Sheridan's alive or dead. She's staying awake all the time. She's not sleeping well. Lita comes to her and is like, hey, I think I can sense Sheridan because I could sense Kosh and Kosh was in Sheridan. And, you know, it's like a residual, but I got to get close and maybe I can, maybe I can't. I don't know. And so they jump on the white star. They head out and Lita gets there and her eyes go black. I want to talk about the black eyes. And then Delenn steps up. And Ivanova, latent telepath, and they all three become transfixed by the shadows that are out there. And then I want to talk about what was getting ready to happen. But let's go to Lita and the big black eyes because I'm sitting here going like she's supposed to go feel. She's supposed to be empathic. And then she gets solid black eyes. Is she a beta Z now? Well, she bled from the eye when she tried using her psych, uh, psychic powers or telepathic powers against the shadow ships when Sheridan took him out. So that's like, now they just black up. You know who else, who else's eyes went all betazoid um, 
when they did a whole bunch of drugs and ha- all of a sudden had telepathic powers? Jakar. That's right. Dust to dust. He had those same black eyes. Is Lita, is, is, is there, she, a, is she getting her psi powers amped up? Well, that's what I'm saying. Is there a connection between this, uh, energy exchange that happened between the Vorlons Vor, between Kosh and Lita and the dust that Psychor has developed likely in league with the shadows. Interesting. I have no idea. Put a pin on that. Let's see where the story takes us. Yeah. Okay. Here's my major question coming out of this whole thing. You're going to take your ship. You're going to fly all the way to Zaha doom and you're going to have one P five telepath on board with you as protection. When you just did a recruiting thing where you brought all these folks in, you got all these Mimbari around, like, like, do you not just load that? By the way, this is my question until we see him again. Where's Bester? Yeah. This guy said that your war is now my war, Captain. Let's go get some stuff done. Why is Bester not on board? Why, why isn't Bester's people? Where, where are Bester's Rangers? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, like you load that ship up because you could have ship after ship after and you need it. It's a one-to-one ratio, I think, is about what we established, right? So you're going to take one P5? Really? Although in Shadow Dancing, we saw it was like they weren't as effective on the one-to-one we saw before. I don't know. I I still have a lot of questions on how this telepath versus shadow thing works. We don't know. We just don't don't know. know And and this messed stuff up even more for me because, like, they come out. She goes all all Betazoid and all all weird and talking struggling, which I thought was great. It's all in character. It's good. And that brings out the the eye is looking for us. The eye. What is the eye? The eye is looking. Is this the eye of Sauron? Is this another Lord of the Rings reference? The eye of Sauron is looking. Here's the, and then I go back to we see that that big ass head floating in space, right? That was a shadow head because it had the lights and it was in the shape and it was very. Remember the tiki head that we saw. Mm-hmm. And it was in that kind of motif. There was the hand, the weird hand, but you had the T head. You had this. I wonder if the shadows, like the little actual creatures that we see, are they physical manifestations of whatever this one thing is? Okay. Are the shadows? A- and now we're getting to the hive mind thing. If you kill that thing, do you kill the rest of them? All of them, which would be very disappointing to me. But that even kind of lines up with like the Minbari religious belief that we're all manifestations of the universe. So maybe these ancient ones from way back became one, right? So all shadows or whatever became this thing that we call the eye. All the tiki heads, the party first ones became that head. They're one piece. And so the universe is slowly becoming one being through all these things. But as time goes on, you know, splinters come and they have to form back. You know, the cycle continues over and over again. Maybe what we know is shadows aren't actually shadows at all, but they're the minions and the dark agents of the shadow that we now think is called is, is, is some eye that is actually harbinger from mass effect Two. or the shadows are the shadow of the eye. Like there's the eye, the really bad and the shadows are like, Oh, if you think we're bad, wait till you, we're just a shadow of him. Did you did you notice this when the big head was coming through? There was a very weird, and I mean Jeff, weird, evil, eerie sounding music that was playing. Did you notice that? 
I did. I did. And then you're sitting there going, wait a minute. Kosh was always about the music. Now he had this really rad Gregorian chant going on, but this guy had this very like devil went down to Georgia playing the bad violin vibe to his music. Conflict order, right? Jeff, I said a long time ago, two sides of the same coin. Yeah. They they may not be literally the same species, but they're literally two sides of the same coin. Well, I think I think that's one of the points that we're we're moving towards is we're different species, but we're all the same stuff. That's why the Mimbari and the Earth people can uh, switch soul things. Yeah, right? go back and forth, and that's why when Kosh said something about something, he called it a three edged sword because it's not as simple as being two sides of the same coin. Like it's more complex than that through the way the universe expresses itself. Trying to figure out what a three edged sword looks like. I keep counting more than three when you put a third one on yeah but, yeah but i guess we're not vorlons so when the eye was doing its thing two things that stood out was one ivanova brought up what she brought up way back um in that episode where we saw the tiki party first one when she was in the great machine and then she's like it knows our names so we have that happening again and then when lita delen and ivanova were kind of debriefing the whole thing they're like yeah, he was talking to me in the voice of my father, which is the same voice, the two sides of a coin or three sides of a sword or whatever, same voice Kosh would use. He talked to, to Sheridan. When he talked to Jakar, it was always the father figure. Man, how does that rewrite, rewrite episodes like TKO, dealing with with Ivanova uh, and the Lost of her Father, or what was the episode where we actually saw him die and she was all like, whatever. Born to the Purple. Was it Born to the Purple? Oh, wow. That's a great question. Man, talk about the rewatch. Rewatch is going to be banging. I know. Speaking of banging, Dylan. Stephen first lost some weight. Veer lost some weight. Dylan? Dylan's got some bangs, man. These are new bangs, right? Like, this is a new hairstyle that we got. I don't like it. In the 96. I I didn't like it either. I like it. I felt. I felt like, so like where the bone crest kind of comes and becomes part of her face, Uh I felt like the bangs exposed that more. Like I could really see the the coverage. I, there. I think you're right. You just said it though. It's just 1996. Got it. Which did we have? I thought bangs were an 80s thing. Like, did we really do bangs in 96? We're not too far away from where Garibaldi's going to come out with uh, frosted tips. Like, we're not too far away from that. <laughs> maybe we are a little okay. ways out. Okay. That, okay. Wait, wait. 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 Let's play it out. Who is the Babylon Five boy band? Garibaldi, Franklin is going to be in there. Marcus. Oh, absolutely. Marcus is in there. Uh, who, 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 I don't know that Sheridan's in this thing. Maybe he is. No. Um, Zach, Zach. Oh, yeah. We need one more. Cause it's five's the magic number for a oh, boy gosh. band. Yeah. You gotta have five. You gotta have five. Who's, who's the next guy. I'm staying away from, from aliens right now. Like, cause I want to say Lanier, but I don't think that's right. Like, I don't think it's Lanier. I think he's, yeah, it's not, it's not beer. Oh, is it that Abbott guy? The vicar with the funny head no brother no. theo no listen hey this is a four-person boy band is this is this is uh 98 degrees it's a four-person yeah yeah it's a four-person so it can work boy band. it can work for a person anyway um ivanova in this moment her rank bar dropped off her chest no they just zoomed into it oh, and then they? used that as a transition for sheridan's stat bar coming off i thought hers fell off the chest oh no 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 you're right it zoomed into it and then it it's was her rank bar broken? 
Nope. So hers is gold and silver to show that she's first officer. But it wasn't like snapped in half or, or like bent. Okay. It was just her normal step bar, gold and silver, zoomed in on that and then came off with then shared. And it was just a, it was a transition scene they used. And Ivanova gets to a point at the end. Uh, this is the last thing I, this is actually my last note. Uh, she's going to let Sheridan go and get back to business, which is what she needed to do. I am curious. Uh, she said that she has some ideas on how to do that and is going to need some help and thinks she knows where she's going to look for that help. Lita or Marcus. I'm or personally draw. Oh, draw. Yeah. I'm pulling for Marcus though. Cause I'm on the, I'm on the Mark Bonova train. Mark Bonova. Ivana, Ivanis, the Ivanis, Avarcus, Ivanicus, Avarcus. <laughs> Clearly, we don't come up with the celebrity names. I almost want it to be Lita, um, just because I want it to turn out that like she's got a thing for telepaths. Like that's her. Th- like she hates them, but is also wildly attracted to them. You know, her and Talia were a thing. So I almost don't want because it almost just feels like a replacement for Talia. Yeah, and so I want something completely different than Talia, but. If Ivanova has a type, then she has a type. So, Well, Brent, I think we've reached that part of the show where we boil this all down and see if this episode has any deep morals, deep messages. Maybe it's holding up a mirror to society or giving us hope that we could be better in the future. I'm going to do that by rating this episode on a scale of zero to five Delta Furies, which shows us both how strong the message of the show is and just how Babylon 5 it was delivered. It takes a rare type of wisdom to accept change and redemption in another seeing only what was and not what is the talk between Jakar and Zach about Garibaldi was amazing. And it really picks up on the Gethsemane themes from last season. See, it's one thing to change yourself and it's another thing for those changes to be accepted by the people around you. If, Brent, like if we were to judge someone by their past actions, what's the point of ever doing anything differently? Or really, what's the point of doing anything at all for that matter? A couple years ago, Pope Francis was visiting a prison, which is a thing that popes often do because you know what they say, poping ain't easy. Well, while he was there, he said that he said, uh, there, but for the grace of God, go I. Meaning that if we were all fully prosecuted and punished for everything we ever did, we'd all spend a little time behind bars. So let's just take some other ambassador or a politician on Babylon 5. We'll make one up. Uh, Negrath, the fly guy from season one, the Negrath um, ambassador. We have never seen him on this show. You know what? He's never... You know what? Negrath was just a puppet of his government. We never saw this guy because he never did anything to make it worth us seeing him. But what we didn't see him do was awful, right? He's killed people, manipulated people. He's smuggled drugs and weapons. He even went so far as to refuse to let their homeworld's winner participate in their version of Eurovision, Babelvision. But everybody's cool with this ambassador guy because he was never caught for these things that he did. Contrast that with Jakar, who early on, you and me, we were very convinced that this was going to be the bad guy for the show that happened to be on the station. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't necessarily because of the things he did. It was because of the things we saw him do or in Garibaldi's case, what he knew that he had done and sometimes was even able to prove it. But over time we got to see Jakar change 
multiple times. They've straight up reminded us of him. They've reminded us of the journey that he has been on and is going to continue to be on. I remember back in by any means necessary when you and I were like, Jakar's religious. Where'd this come from? Right. What the heck? Yeah. Uh, now he's Saint Jakar the Archangel, <laughs> and we buy it a hundred percent. Garibaldi was the one who saw that change. He even acknowledged it. And because he saw that change and acknowledged it, as I'll get to in my prediction here in a little bit, Jakar's going to go to great lengths to find and save Garibaldi. And all because, as Jakar said, Garibaldi saw him for who he is and not just who he was. So before I rate this one, Brent, are you cool with me putting a challenge out to our community? I love it. Do it. I want This is to you, community. I want to challenge you to think of one person, just one, that you judge based on who they were and not who they are. And then the hard part, I want you to do something about that. I want you to be the Garibaldi to the Jakar in your life. And then I'd love to hear about it. I would love to hear about that. This is a powerful message. I mean, this is mm, kind of stuff. It was delivered in a very hilarious Babylon 5 way that it had us basically calling Daffy Duck a god, which is great. But this literally was one scene in the whole episode, and I did a lot of work to pry the stuff out of this to make it matter on it. So I am going to give this one two Delta Furies. I, I will simply say good job digging something out of it because I didn't have anything coming out. Like I, I always, I'm always watching the episode, whether it's my week or not to do to for that. Mm -hmm. I was like, Nope, this is just, this is the next part of the story plot wise to move things forward. Um, and so bravo. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. Well, we are on this podcast, Babylon five for the first time. We are creating the absolute 100% completely accurate definitive ranking of the fourth season of Babylon 5. So Brent, where do you rank the Hour of the Wolf? This is a hard one, Jeff, but I think this is going to take the top spot. This is our number one episode of the season. I don't know, man. In more ways than one. Why does this make me giggle? This is the dumbest thing we do in the whole podcast every at the start of every season, and it makes me giggle every time. What are we going to do? Where's it going to land? I'm going to stretch this out and make it seem like it's a thing. And <laughs> Yeah, it's number one for now. We'll see what happens next week. Speaking of next week, Brent, that's it for the Hour of the Wolf. Next week, we're watching Whatever Happened to Mr. Garibaldi for the first time. And we've never seen these episodes. Wait, I'm sorry. Wait, I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. Whoa. We didn't get any Garibaldi in this episode, did we? Nothing. Okay, continue. I just gave you more Garibaldi than the episode gave. So based on the title alone, it's literally all we know. Brent just heard the name. What do you think whatever happened to Mr. Garibaldi is going to be about? Well, it's going to be about Mr. Garibaldi and what happened to him. Because last time we saw him, he was, uh, you know, attached to the butt end of a shadow ship. Presume, I think in my head, he's presumably sailing back for Zaha Doom. And this is Sheridan's escape plan. Does Sheridan come home in the next episode? Oh, I hope not. I hope Sheridan's at where he is for a while. But uh, I'm going to say that Mr. Garibaldi is, oh, Jeff, let me ask you this. Is the show, all right, you got to think about this from a production level more, I think, than anything else. Is the show at a spot where maybe it has a little bit more money now? Maybe it doesn't have any more money. I don't know. 
made a little more notoriety. Maybe JMS has finally gotten the studio off his back and he can do whatever he wants. That our gang is also Lord of the Rings style. You've got this group went here and this group went here and this group went here. Sam and Frodo's over here. Uh, uh, Mary and Pippin are over there and the other three guys are over that way. You know what I mean? Um, is it possible that there's, okay, here's the group back on the station. Here's Garibaldi. And then Sheridan's out here hanging out with dude for a while. And this is the way it's going to be for a few episodes. And this, this is catching up with Garibaldi. Is it possible? This is a, this is Garibaldi's story. Maybe we don't even see Babylon five. We don't even see Ivanova and Delenn and Kosh and those guys. I think we got a flash over to Sheridan for sure, but maybe we don't even see those guys. It's just Garibaldi and it's just, Hey, while they're doing that, here's what, Oh, here we go. Season four of discovery. Mm -hmm. No, no, I'm sorry. Season three, season three of discovery where we left them off at the end of season two was the ship of discovery and all its crew flying through a time vortex and outside of the ship in a funky little suit was Michael Burnham flying through the same time vortex. And when we picked up in season four, we get Michael Burnham shooting out of the time vortex and we have her story. We don't even see anybody on the ship. And then season or the second episode is the ship has come out of the time vortex. And what we later realize is it's actually a year later than where Michael Burnham landed. So this is, Episode one was here's everybody else. This is Garibaldi's story. I know this is a stretch. I'm really stretching on this one that whatever happened to Mr. Garibaldi is about Garibaldi, but humor me, Jeff, please. I hope nobody got in a car crash over the excellence of that particular prediction. You know what I'm going to do just for funds. I'm going to go the exact opposite. I don't think Garibaldi is showing up in this episode at all. I think this episode is all Jakar. Oh, this is Jakar going around the station, trying to get a ship, trying to track stuff down, people shutting him down, stonewalling him because they're still worried about any, everything else. Like it's the, the, the panic that he felt in this one around people not really caring so much about Garibaldi and wanting to find Sheridan first is going to come up to a fever pitch for him. And so this isn't going to be about Garibaldi. This is going to be him going around saying whatever happened. To Mr. Garibaldi. Is he is he going to take that sweet Indiana Jones hat, grab a shuttle, and go look for Garibaldi? That'd be incredible. And Jeff, once again, Gar okay, so Garibaldi and Jakar off doing a, a thing. Sheridan's out with what we're presuming is a first one, potentially. Possibly, yeah. And then you got everybody else back on the station. Lord of the Rings. And then you got Jeff. Londo over here on Centauri Prime. We've And we've got the Eye of Sauron out there. You've got the Bridge of Zaha Doom. Jeff, this has turned into Lord of the Rings. Maybe it was all along. Does that mean that when Sheridan comes back, he's like Gandalf the White? Yeah, like, he's gonna he's gonna oh, look like me. Jeff, he's gonna have his white Jeff, beard. Does that mean? Does that mean that Sheridan died? And he's gonna like this is him getting resurrected into some new like I don't know maybe a powerful being like or something. Maybe that's what going beyond the rim is. Like that's what he did. Is that's where you go to die? And now he's gonna, but he's gonna come back. At the first light of the third morning, like, is that? Oh, oh that'd Maybe be that's where we are. Oh, and uh, is there a golem? Is that Morden? Is Morden golem? Not now. Yeah, now. that's what I mean. Yeah, like Stoneface Morden is golem. Ew, what do yeah. we think? And then we've got we've got Londo. 
trying to assassinate the emperor. Let's hear what would that would that be Gondor trying to That'd get rid of Gondor. all that? Like hmm. really suddenly, flexing my muscles. I don't remember a lot of these, but su- suddenly, you know, Babylon Five has turned into Lord of the Rings. Yeah, I, I you know what? I bet and, and I, it's been Lord of the Rings all along, and I bet there are people out there being like, finally, they finally got if it. that first one, dude. Uh, if his name comes back as Elrond, I'm gonna lose my stuff, man. Oh yeah, because the techno mage was Elric. Yeah, right, right, right. Which was which was like a Dungeons and Dragons character or something like that. Like, no, no. If if he comes back as like Elrond, I'm I'm gonna lose my stuff. Or it's uh Tom. What was his name? Tom uh, Bombadil. Was that the guy's no, name? No, 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 no. The... But see, Tom Bombadil's not Elrond. Like Elrond's a dude, man. I'm just saying he could be that guy. Well, we have a lot of questions here. Some of them, like what whatever happened to Mister Garibaldi, we're gonna find out all about. Right people here. are laughing at us so hardcore right now, Jeff. I know. <laughs> I feel like this is the discussion people have been waiting three whole seasons for us to get to. They're like, yes, it is Lord of the Rings. Keep going. I need to go watch the movies because I am way out. And I'm not going to read the books between here and next week. So to avoid the Hobbit. Avoid the Hobbit. Go watch the movies, though. If you if it's been a while, Jeff, legit, if it's been a while since you've seen the movies, go watch the movies. I never saw the Hobbit movies. I grew up watching that animated one yeah. from like the late I loved that one. Loved that one. Well, listen, we're going to find out all this stuff about this one episode next week and all this other stuff over the next 21 weeks and then some. Thank you everyone so much for joining us for this Lord of the Rings Babylon 5 podcast. <laughs> Don't forget to subscribe or follow us wherever you're listening and go to Apple Podcasts, go to Podchaser audible any of those cool places leave us a rating or review we'll read it here on the podcast and who knows you might be entered to win some cool stuff when we get to the season four wrap up so till next time hey jeff yeah man what's up man i'm really tired can we just get the hell out of here initiating get the hell out of here maneuver i appreciate it where are we going well brent don't uh don't you know no one knows the shape of the future or where it will take us some some deep space franchise. The station is about something.